Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's gorgeous conversation is with my new friend, Mike Fitch. Mike Fitch is the founder of a thing called Animal Flow Movement. I feel like many of you have probably maybe even partaken in this. You're probably familiar with it. You might have seen somebody doing it in the park. You might have heard about it. And uh, it's essentially a confluence of various different ground-based movements with a whole lot of philosophy packed inside. And uh, I really enjoyed tapping into the mind of Mike in this conversation. I think this will be very meaningful for many people, getting into some of the theory of why it matters to get your hands down on the ground, why it matters to kind of reintegrate some of those patterns that our ancestors almost certainly went through and the value of implementing those patterns into our daily lives as modern homo sapiens. Really good conversation. I think you guys can enjoy it. I also want to thank you all for leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to this. I want to thank New York City to Connecticut, NYC to CT for leaving us a five-star review. They said, Aaron adds value to the interview. Aaron's podcast has been a part of my five main podcasts on rotation for years now, so it's time to write a review. Love his podcast because he has a consistent, open approach to each interview, such that he connects more deeply, asks great and probing questions, and draws the individuals into a real conversation that always has some gem moments. His excitement for the conversation shines through and his openness and his perspective and experience are valuable as well. Always entertaining and informative. Thank you, NYC to CT. If you guys have not left a review, it's very supportive. I love reading them. It actually is meaningful and uh, it's very easy. You can do it on your phone. Scroll down slightly. Recommend hitting the subscribe button as well uh, so you get our weekly episodes. I have such rad conversations and YouTube videos and just so many amazing people in the coming weeks. I almost wish I could just release all of them. I have like 12 in the can right now and each one I'm like very exciting. So press the subscribe button so you don't miss any of that and write a review. Five stars if you think it deserves it and perhaps we'll read it on here. All right, that's it. That's all. Let's get to it with the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Fitch, founder of Animal Flow. Pow. Things that struck me when we met today in the real life for the first time, gave each other a hug. I'm always like watching to see what people's gestures are. Are we like a fist bump or a handshake or a hug? Double cheek kiss. You know, you never know. Yeah. So we proceeded to hug. We made it to that level. And uh, you have a, a really beautiful suppleness to your spine and your ribs. I wasn't feeling excessively creepy, but I got enough of a feel that there was like a suppleness to your, uh, to your connective tissue. You're saying I'm like, I'm like a jello. I'm like a soft jelly. Yes. With bird bones. Yeah, like a, like a, like a, like a handsome sea sponge. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know? Sea sponges, apparently, you can blend up a sea sponge and its cells will come back together and reemerge as a, like a central unit, a sea sponge. I did not, but that's, that's crazy. And I think I would do the same thing. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but look, look, I'm glad you brought, you brought the, uh, the hug thing up because I, I, I've always been a hugger. And one of the worst things about traveling around is you never know how to greet someone. You know, COVID aside, I'm talking pre- pre-pandemic stuff you know you would travel to a, i would travel to these different countries and there's always that awkward like go for a handshake they go for a fist bump you like end up wrapping their hand or you go for a hug and they're like whoa we don't hug here 
Yeah. So um, as soon as I see an opportunity for a hug, man, I'm what in there. What do you attribute your suppleness to? Because that's something, that, and I think it's an interesting thing that I notice. I don't know if other people notice this type of thing. But coming in contact, like shaking someone's hand, hugging someone, you're gathering a ton of information about that person and that interaction. Mm-hmm. How hard do they shake? Do they have calloused hands? Where's mm-hmm. eye contact? Like you can feel a lot into the, you can start to peel back the, the pages of a person's story just through coming into that that contact. What do you attribute this this uh, suppleness that I detected in our in our embrace? You know, I, I right off the bat, I have to attribute it to the way in which I express and experience my vessel. You know, so the time that I spend in my body and the way in which I direct effort, I think it comes out in how my tissues have rearranged and reestablished themselves over the past decade of me exploring more free motion. Hmm. What does that look like? What's your daily life look like? What are you eating? What's your exposure to the nature? What's your relationship to God? Let's talk about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is that what we're doing? We're jumping right in like that? What gets a body to be at that point? Because we have all these like dogmatic systems of like, this is the path, this is the thing. And then yeah. sometimes you meet a person, it's like, it seems like you're doing something right. Mm. And they don't necessarily have, you know, whatever thing to sell you or whatever the, you know, they're, they're, they're like the perfect nutritional regiment. Mm-hmm. But there's some people, that's typically been my tendency. When I find someone that seems like they're just like an effective biological organism, sentient being, whatever, like an effective human. They have like a light to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested in how they do that. You know, do you, do you attribute, is there like a, uh, is it a movement thing? Is it a nutritional thing? Is it a, a mind thing? Is it a body thing? I, I would have to say that all those play factors, right? For, for each and every one of us. So for me, the... The schedule, the routines that I found that work really well for me have cultivated or have been designed over, you know, um, let me actually back up and just say, look, when, when I first got into fitness, I did the traditional route of bodybuilding and Olympic lifting and got into some sports specific training. And I really love that training. I love the way that it made me feel, but I eventually got to the point to where just intrinsically, intuitively, I felt like I was only expressing small parts of my human capacity, you know? Yeah. And so at that point, I just realized like, man, I'm, I'm living my entire life in these little boxed movements. There's got to be more. And, you know, I found myself in a place where most guys do, where I just wanted to be jacked and strong and, you know, lift the heaviest things I could. And then that stops serving me as my body starts sending me more and louder messages more frequently. You know, hey, dude, you got to change. Like something else is out there that will fulfill you in uh, many different ways. And that was my quest to begin movement. But also to, and to go back to what you were asking earlier, it's not just the movement, right? It's, it's everything else. So I, for me, it is nutrition, it's sleep, it's journaling it's meditating it's giving thanks it's you know having relationships it's all of those things play a factor into i believe how we hold tension in our body and where we hold tension at Hmm. you know so for me figuring out how to live more gracefully in my system and navigate the world more gracefully is a constant practice and it's something that i'm working towards every single day what do you perceive tension in the body to be Obviously, it's a lot of things. It's like asking what is pain. Obviously, yeah. it's a highly nuanced conversation. Yeah. But I think there's a kind of a more like a mechanistic kind of materialistic 
lens on what tension is in the body and it's more you know like engineering musculoskeletal mm -hmm. type lens and then there's maybe like a psycho-emotional lens and then maybe there's other lenses out there as well yeah. like how what's your relationship to tension in the body so my understanding of the body is that what's what's in the brain is in the body or in the mind is in the body what's in the body is in the mind and we we try to dissect them as if they're different but they're the exact same thing you know and so that's why some therapeutic approaches are from you know top down or bottom up you know do we do we look at more movement or do we look at how this person is working through psychological components you know and for me it, it has to be this, this very uh, holistic, and sometimes I kind of hate to use the word holistic, but this holistic approach of, you know, yes, you can work out all the time. That's great if you can experience movement in, in all of these different ways, and that's fantastic. But however you change your body, you're still, your brain, your mind, your psyche, all of those things are still within your system. And if those things don't change, then you can work out to death and it doesn't mean that you're going to find that thing that you're looking for. It doesn't mean that you'll find that suppleness, whether it be in the tissue or in the nervous system or in the way in which you navigate your day. Yeah. You know, so um, for me, I can feel tension when I feel like there's something psychologically blocking or there's some sort of obstacle. I can always feel it in my body. When I say tension, I can feel almost like a tonicity, a tone or an electricity. And if I go out and I move and that's still there, then I go, okay, well, there's something else that I need to explore. Mm -hmm. You've, you're familiar with, with Vladimir Yonda's work, mm -hmm. I believe. Mm -hmm. And his model of the body or one of his models of the body, he uh, refers to tonic and phasic muscles. Yes. Tonic muscles being kind of like the muscles that flex in the front, essentially pulling you into like a protective type position. And then the phasic would be the opposite side, the muscles that would pull you into extension and open mm -hmm. you up. And the common tendency for people, at least in the culture that we're exposed to, is for those phasic muscles to be kind of flaccid and elongated, and those tonic flexor protective front-facing muscles to be kind of overly contracted. Yes, I think it's an interesting thing to look at the different personality types and emotional states of individuals in, re in relation to those postural archetypes. Because a person that feels, I would, I was just a person that feels totally safe, confident, loved, supported, like creative, like they're like, like living their, what is that? Following their bliss, Joseph mm -hmm. Campbell, like they're in that place. They're just like, ah, oh, like more life. That person naturally is going to start to engage those muscles that would pull the body open. Sure. And the person that's received the message at some point that the life, you know, close life out, life, you know, world's not safe then you'll have these, these tonic muscles start to engage and protect. It's very interesting. It 100% is. And, you know, yes, I, I definitely see emotion popping up in posture all of the time. But also, you know, just look at everyone's day-to-day -day life. Like everything that we do pulls us into more of these flexed postures. And then our body adapts. You know, our bodies are these incredible adaptation machines. So given the opportunity, they'll figure out ways to expend less energy and figure out ways to take away things that you aren't using. And part of that is getting stuck in posture. And then, like you said, those postures can then affect the emotional state. So maybe, you know, it's the chicken or the egg scenario, yep. right? So maybe we spend so much time looking at our phones, looking at our computer in seated postures to where now everything that has adapted has adapted to that protective, oh no, I'm not safe. And then we get those signals that just cycle through on loop. 
Yeah. And then uh, we we just did recorded an, an episode with Ben Patrick, the knees over toes guy. Mm-hmm. And in that conversation, one of the things we kind of stumbled into is it's interesting that so much of his work is around all of the kind of like shadow nooks and crannies of the body that people aren't, you know, largely popular culture isn't really paying attention to. And then his big thing is like walking backwards. He's like, I've pulled a sled backwards more than anybody. You know, and I'm like, what, Love an, that. what an interesting personality or an indication of a person's personality or the way that they they think or perceive things to suddenly be called to go backwards and i think that's an interesting relationship to your work as well and a lot of what i'm really enamored by which is spending time on the ground and how we've kind of divorced ourselves from that relationship and it seems we were talking about this before like i feel almost like an asshole even talking about it because it seems so simple and like almost like trite you know but that relationship it's it's a it's a fundamental it's like a teacher that preps the body for all the functional ranges of of motions that are necessary for life and if you spend too much time missing those ranges of motion so you might miss out on you know maybe the toe hinge or the ankle Mm -hmm. range of motion or you know any of that then suddenly there's a limitation in the way that you move through the world and a way to heal some of those standing postures is actually from returning back to the ground yeah yeah and and you know it, i love this line and i i don't remember where i heard it from first and and this is just an iteration it may have been dr spina since we mentioned him earlier but it's you know exercise is a man-made invention to supplement the fact that we're not using our human bodies the way that they've evolved to be mm-hmm. you know and that just there's a lot of weight in that it's like, you know, we, we go out and we do the thing that we're supposed to do because we're not living by our design. So, but it is also then kind of a bit odd that what we do is we then go move in these very sagittal plane, one motion dominant ways to say that this is how we're working our body out, you know, versus what you alluded to earlier when we were talking, uh, these different archetypal postures of floor sitting in different ways, you know, of being able to roll over, going back to some of those neurodevelopmental stages and positions, postures, because, you know, the, the interesting thing is all of that time that we spent on the floor during our developmental stages gave us all these building blocks and tools for us to become these upright bipedal human beings. The unfortunate part is most people think like, oh, I, I've already got all the stuff, you know, I don't need to go back to where I learned it. And that's truly unfortunate. And that's why I've seen people have different relationships with the ground. Some people, when they get on it, they're like, oh, I'm home. I love this. This feels great to me. Other people, when they get on it, they almost seem scared. They seem frightened. It seems so foreign to them. I want to take a moment and share something that has massively supported my training and overall well-being that is supplementing essential amino acids into my diet. I started using Keon's aminos in the last maybe a month or so, a couple months, and I've really I'm really impressed with this stuff. I originally would have preferred to just slam protein powders or eat more fish or something of the sort, but specifically isolating the essential amino acids is a great way to get the building blocks you need to build muscles and to restore your tissues um, while not adding in a bunch of new calories. So especially if you're a person that maybe wants to lose a, bit, a little bit of weight, uh, but wants to add muscle or maintain muscle, I think it's a fantastic solution for you and really anyone who's active. So if you're interested in trying Keon's Aminos, you can get yourself a 20 percent off by going to 
getkion.com slash align. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N dot com slash align. You get yourself 20% off and uh, that's it. I think you're going to dig it. I also would like to share something that I've been taking to make sure I'm covering all the bases with getting my greens. I've been taking Organifi's green juice for the last, it's been about three months. And I really love this stuff. Uh, it tastes absolutely delicious. It's like one of the best beverages you could possibly serve on a hot summer day. Throw some ice on there. It contains not only greens, but also adaptogenic mushrooms, such as ashwagandha. It also has matcha green tea. So it's excellent for energy support, antioxidants, and genuinely being a refreshing beverage. So if you would like to get yourself a 20% discount on this or any other Organifi product, you can jump over to Organifi.com slash align. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash align for 20% off. If you're not totally satisfied with your purchase, you can get your money back. I think you guys are going to love the green juice. I hope you enjoy. That's it. That's all. Organifi.com slash align. I think that person that would have some like an intimidation or maybe like just like a foreign relationship with the ground would also probably have a foreign relationship with being like a child, being playful, mm-hmm. you know, or like that. I think that's an interesting thing to see when someone's like really an adult, like there, there's no kid left, left in the person, you know, like I, I know lots of people that are in their 80s that are more childish than anybody I know in their 30s, you know, so when a person that's really like in that adult suit. When they're around a little kid that has all this imagination and wonderment and play and make believe, the adults are like really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, uh, uh huh. Like, do I pet it? Yeah. What do I do with what this? What do I do with it? You're like on the ground. You're playing with trucks and rocks and, uh, you know, it's just like, okay, I'm gonna go do some TPS reports. Yeah. You know, or lift some dumbbells <laughs> or something sick. But so I, I think it's like. It, so I think that the play is a massive element to that. And, and the ground naturally kind of catalyzes, um, I don't know, this like this, the spontaneity of play, like play emerges through doing something as foreign as being on the ground for an adult. And I'll shut up in a second. The last thing I want to say in relation to this, I think that the ground acts uh, essentially like refining what I was saying before. It acts as like a tuning mechanism for the body. I'm borrowing that from a guy called Philip Beach. I think you're familiar with Philip Beach as well. That's so funny you brought him up. I was going to actually mention Philip Beach. Yeah, so he yeah. calls he calls I reference him in my my book and he calls these ground poses that I kind of break down, you know, a variety of in in mine and you do in your work as well. Calls them postural archetypal postures of repose. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's like your body is an instrument. You don't tune an instrument, you know, on February 2nd, 1985. And then you're like, cool, we're good. You tune it after playing with regularity. And that's what I would suggest spending time on the ground is. It acts as a, a natural tuning mechanism for the body. A hundred percent. And, you know, I had this really great experience with Philip. I was uh, living in New Zealand for a very short amount of time. And I was speaking to a couple of other animal flow instructors about uh, Muscles and Meridians, his book. And they said, you know, he lives here in town. And I did not know that. And the next day we met up and you know, went hiking through the woods barefoot for two hours. And then he brought me back and did a little work on me. He is just a brilliant guy. And I love that analogy of tuning the body by uh, using floor contact. And he also has a lot of other cool things like, you know, different ways in which you can uh, express more motion throughout the day uh, in the house and the way that the house is designed. Yeah. Yeah. That gets into systems theory or like a systems theory based approach to the body and like what the hell is going on here with like the whole chicken or the egg. 
from a systems lens, the body is a self-organizing system and it organizes around its environment. So we think we have all this control. It's like, oh, it's a central nervous system or it's like a musculoskeletal thing or it's this, you know, we have all these stories. But in fact, we're continually just responding to our environmental conditions. And we're like, we're, we're inextricably fit to the environment. So you could also go in and change your environment and then that would trickle into the way that you show up as a person. Right, because I think people discount, to your point, I think people discount all of the hours that they're spending not working out and what they're doing in those hours. Exactly. You know, so it's one thing to go like, oh, I'm gonna go to the gym and I'm gonna work on this, I'm gonna do this for my posture, I'm gonna do this and, you know, but then I'm gonna go spend all the rest of my waking hours in this position or I'm gonna sleep in this way. And so I think that's, it's like people don't even realize that that is a much bigger percentage of their overall human experience than the time that they spend in the gym or with an osteo or with, you know, a massage therapist or whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, those things are fantastic, but you still have to look at the environment. Yeah. Or, or think in this way or breathe in this way, mm-hmm. you know, as far as what we're doing in day-to-day life, what is your, what's the, the habitat of your mind like throughout the day? Like, what's your relationship to your thoughts? What is the habitat of my mind like? I don't know. How, <laughs> how much time do we have? Yeah. Don't we have a flight to catch? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, son of a bitch. I got to get on a goddamn plane here in two hours or something. We got to do this again. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I have to tell you, I mean, one of the things that w- really works for me is, well, I always use this line, uh, structure gives us freedom. And so for me, having a very structured day really helps me feel like I'm enjoying that day. And some people think like, oh, structure, that's boring. That's like, you know, that's lame. But I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm utilizing every minute of every day doing the things that I love to do. And some of that is work. But I start my day, typically I get up at around 3.30 a.m., And then from there, I, you know, jump into some journaling or I'll start working on some of the bigger projects of the day. Then I train for the first time that day. And then from there, it's, I just have this like very almost to the minute schedule all the way up until I go to bed at 830 at night. Wow. Yeah. You're one of those people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Damn. Yeah. You wouldn't want to date me. No. No. Well, I mean, since that (laughs) hug, I was thinking about it, but now it's off. That's has that always been the case? Man, it it mostly has. I've always f- I've fought it for many years. I just thought like only crazy people wake up at 3:30 in the morning. And I honestly think it was from when I was working as a trainer in New York City when I was 19 years old, I would have to get up at 3:30, take three trains to get to the gym for a 5:15 a.m. client. And I honestly believe that my clock was just set and it's just it worked for me then it works for me now for the years i tried to fight it it didn't work for me so i have a buddy called uh dr michael bruce and he has a whole like breakdown of different i don't know it's he doesn't it's it's something kind of like chronotype but it's not chronotype but different people their you know their physiology is structured so that they just naturally tend to go to sleep earlier and is this like like, the wolf and the yeah yeah, exactly i don't know what it's called exactly i don't know what the function of that is or what you know if it's nature or nurture whatever it is but he's got like a whole breakdown in his book dr Mm -hmm. michael bruce has the thing i'm not i'm not that I'm envious of the people that have that because it seems like you're way more productive than us late night turds just YouTube and 
Well, listen, man, I can tell you that my value significantly drops off at like 3 p.m. So I mean, because at that point, you know, now it's like 12 hours from the time that I actually got out of bed. So at th 3 p.m. on, I'm basically a zombie. Like I put out no good work. I was reading a thing before this. I was reading all about um, childhood developmental patterns. And one of the things that was interesting that, that stuck out was the value of a, a baby being on their belly call it tummy time mm -hmm. and what that tummy time allows for a child is for those posterior muscles the cervical spine and thoracic spine just the whole back to start to engage so those those phasic muscles use yonda's yonda's language start to come online because the baby naturally has to oh, pull itself up off of the ground and then it oh it reaches back around and looks over here and, oh, and then it starts reaching and then it's it starts to go through this whole sequence of what we'd call developmental patterns and then the transition into modernity which it looks a lot like adults as well is a transition into always being in a cart you know and learning that you got to sleep on your back and kind of just having this much more front-facing or supine kind of you're like perpetuating the fetal stage mm. in a way but by allowing the child to, to start to to go through those patterns they start to engage the body in like a really like a strong stable supported structural way and if we bypass that then the body it kind of jumps a stage in a way yeah and i think that relates to adults as well i couldn't agree more when we're looking at baby developing you know like you mentioned belly time learning to press up and look around. All these things are because baby wants to acquire things, right? Wants yep. to see what's going on, wants to get to the toy, wants to get to the shiny object. That's the systems theory lens. Right, right. So just forming to the environment, Ugh, food, yeah, water. Yeah, I want that, boom. I gotta get over Ugh. there. Exactly, so now I have to learn to roll over. Now I have to learn to press up. Now I have to learn to creep and crawl. And I'm not thinking about how I do this. No. I have this extrinsic motivation. I'm just like, I want the thing. There's no vastus lateralis VMO soleus. Yes, <laughs> yes. And the cool thing about that is like, yes, all those geeky things are happening. So the nervous system is speaking to the tissues that will eventually stabilize the joint and will eventually create dynamic motion. And yeah, those things are happening, but baby's not thinking about that. You know, mm -hmm. baby just wants things. I love that. This podcast is officially called Baby's Not Thinking About That. Baby's Not Thinking About That. Baby's Not Thinking About That. Ba baby wants that. to get bottled. What a t-shirt. <laughs> That's good. Uh, but yeah, so, and, and, but it's not just the body stuff, it's the brain as well. So it's, you know, um, you know, even just looking off into the distance and back of the hands, binocular vision is going to be super helpful for hand eye coordination. There's cognitive processes that are being amplified, you know, they're going to be important for comprehension, concentration, and memory, you know, all those things are happening. And the more ground time that I was experiencing, I, I, I started having like this this whole this whole new wave of sensations and and I started noticing that just like you know the way in which I experienced my body was different but also the way in which I experienced my brain my mind was different and anecdotally as I started teaching animal flow to other people they started coming back and saying some similar things they're like look I don't know if this has anything to do with it probably not but I feel like maybe like I have better concentration or maybe I feel like my memory's a little bit better. And I'm not saying animal flow is the key. I'm saying that they did do a research or they did a study, excuse me, in 2016 where they took a group of participants and they used animal flow, but they just called it novel quadrupedal movement. And they put them through four weeks. I think they trained three times a week for an hour and just in a month, noticeable increases in markers of cognition in one month, just moving novel quadrupedal movements. So yeah, I think people also maybe don't value the process of getting on the ground to not only work their body, but also their brain. 
what would you attribute that to the the cognitive effect of going through these novel quadrupedal movements (laughs) (laughs) i don't know that i could explain that because i that's not my expertise so for me to say like this is exactly what happens in the brain i would be totally making it up i think i think it's interesting so there is there seems to be from what i've i've read this is absolutely not my zone of of expertise either but this seems to be consistency with physical development and cognitive development and emotional development and adaptive in all of these different realms of development of a human and i think it comes back to a similar thing of like the chicken and the egg ultimately we move our our brain exists for us to move everything that we do whether it's eating whether it's communicating whether it's you know anything is some form of movement mm-hmm. And as a person becomes more effective at those, those kind of like baseline ranges of motion, you're able to go through your full functional range of motion of all the joints in your body, including your facial gestures. Mm-hmm. You know, that opens up the, the base or the foundation or like the, like the trunk of the tree to be able to express and to be able to lift weight and be able to support and be able to be a supportive friend and be able to communicate with confidence and know that you're safe inside of your body which now we start, we send this new, you know, opens up these new potentials of just feeling like a more secure, well-inhabited, balanced, flexible, sort of like all of that. It's, it's one integrated system. So I think it all feeds back off of each other. The exact, whether it's like hemispheres or integrated right. or something mm-hmm. like that. Cross lateral motion for left and right hemisphere communication. Yeah, I don't but, know. But, but I think that just in, intuitively and logically, it all feeds off to each other. Mm-hmm. You're a better mover. You you show up in a more effective way in life, which opens you up to more of life. A hundred percent, yes. And also, you know, to, to kind of echo that and piggyback on it a little bit, when we stop learning, then there's a sense of stagnation, right? So our ability to learn lessons, you know, as we begin to explore new things, whether it be quadrupedal movement, it'd be dance, it'd be learning uh, an instrument, it'd be learning how to, to draw. Like just the process of going through learning, that takes cognitive energy. So the better that we get at learning new things, then the better we'll get at learning new things and continue to keep our brain working. You know, so I, that always goes back to the, um, you know, getting really comfortable at being uncomfortable. Because, you know, we're as human beings, we have the tendency to go towards the things that make us feel safe and comfortable. You know, I always exercise the same way. I always do this. We're creatures of habit. When we go and we expose ourselves to something completely new that we're not inherently good at, that, you know, maybe we were, were worried about other people seeing us not be good at this thing, it is quite uncomfortable. But the more we do that, the more conditioned we get to being uncomfortable. And that's when we're forcing the body to change. Hmm. You know, that's where we get adaptation. When we're just doing the same shit over and over again, then there's no reason. You know, our body wants to conserve energy. Our brain wants to conserve energy. Yeah. So that's why just trying new stuff, no matter what it is, is, I mean, to be a lifelong uh, explorer in that way of always trying new things and allowing yourself to be shit at them. Yeah. I want to share something that has been a game changer for me. That is cold water thermogenesis, meaning getting into cold bodies of water and uh, hanging out for a couple of minutes 
two to two to five minutes is typically the time that I'm in there for. Uh, if you're a person that is experiencing stress, anxiety, uh, low energy, things of the sort, or you want to recover faster from training, you want to reduce inflammation, you want to just become an overall more adaptable human being, cold water thermogenesis, I think, is one of the longest levers we have access to, and that is why I teamed up with Ice Barrel. Ice Barrel is the most cost efficient, space efficient, sleek, sexy version of ice baths uh, on the market right now. So if you're interested in stepping up your game, get yourself an ice barrel by going over to icebarrel.com slash align. That align code will get you $125 off of your purchase. That's icebarrel, I-C-E-B-A-R-R-E-L.com slash align. $125 off of your purchase. And I think you guys are going to really dig this thing. I have one sitting on my porch right now, and it's aesthetically quite pleasing. Uh, it's a fun little feature to tell people about, and they come over to your place, and uh, it's a great way to bring people together. So jump over to icebarrel.com slash align for $125 off your own ice barrel. Also wanted to share something that has been an absolute game changer for my sleep and mus muscular recovery. That is magnesium, particularly mag breakthrough from BioOptimizers. Magnesium is a mineral that it's just wise to supplement. It's largely deficient in modern day soil. It's largely deficient in most people for that reason. And mag breakthrough is a fantastic complex of magnesium. It contains all different, all seven different forms, and it's fantastic. I even chew the, I open the capsules and taste it. I think it tastes great. might be a little weird, but uh, I genuinely appreciate the flavor of the product. And uh, I think it's important to implement into anyone's life. If you care about your sleep, if you care about muscular recovery, and the best part is you can get yourself a discount by going over to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcasts. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com slash align podcast. And you'll get yourself a 10% discount on top of any other discounts they may have. So jump over to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast for a discount. If you do not love this product, if it doesn't make a difference in your life, get your money back. No questions asked. I think you're going to dig it. That's it. Magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. It feels like we can almost Im imprison ourselves within our strengths in a way. Yes. <laughs> I'm nodding very enthusiastically. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, and why not? Right? Because it's comfortable. It's, it's like, yeah, I'm good at this thing. So I'm going to really lean into this thing. Mm -hmm. And then within that, you can get so strong in that one pattern, you become overdeveloped or, or compensated that suddenly the chasm between or gap between you and your, your perceived weaknesses just gets bigger and bigger the until deficit. eventually they become like this shadow space. Right. Yeah, the deficit just like, continues oh, to grow. I don't want to go into the shadow. Right. It's scarier now. Right. It's been so long since I've been there. And that can show up in every way, right? That can show up in, in movement exercise, but also in conversation and the way in which we, you know, navigate relationships. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Like how you do anything is how you do everything. I think it's a relevant thing. Yeah. That. How does a person start to engage with their their shadow in the form and that's that sounds like some new age woo, woo stuff but carl jung was pretty smart you know that was the language that he used so there um so how does a person go explore their own shadow from a a physical lens or, or become excited and engaged with that 
you know, like, like I have some friends that have a company called Seek Discomfort, which I really like. Mm, nice. You know, their YouTube channel is called Yes Theory, which is very, you know, they do all sorts of stuff. And it's all about just seeking discomfort in various different ways. And like, that's their motto. That's their, their, their like mantra for life. How does a person start to engage that mindset from a physical perspective? Because I think obviously it trickles into everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and so last year we put out this little mini documentary that's just called We Invite You to Move. And essentially what we're asking people to do is, is just to try anything, you know, and this, this whole project started off as we were going to make a mini documentary on the creation of animal flow and like how it came about. And then through the process, I started interviewing other people that had different disciplines. So like, you know, a guy who's a B-boy, another type of dance, a parkour athlete. And as I was, because a lot of those things influenced me as I was, I started working with animal flow or with the animal flow concepts. And what I realized through that process is that to tell a story about me felt very self-serving. The real story there was the passion that they that just 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 radiated from them when they talked about the thing that they love so much. And that was the story that I wanted to tell. It's like, how do you find the thing that inspires you to be better in all ways? And so for them, it was, you know, parkour or breakdancing or whatever. But there are so many people out there who are moving, but maybe they're stuck in that one way of moving. Or there are a lot more people who are not doing anything. So instead of preaching to the choir and saying, yeah, maybe try new things, it's like, how do we reach the person who's too scared to even begin? You know, and I think that message of just try anything is pretty solid because, you know, you may have to go through a lot of things that you definitely don't like before you find the one thing that you're like, you know what, I'm not good at this thing, but I want to come back. You know, and that's going to be different for every single person. So whatever drives them to that, it's going to be so, you know, such an individual thing. But, you know, when we're talking about flow, finding more flow in your life, you have to first find the things that take you out of flow. So what are the things that are roadblocks? What are the things that you see as obstacles that keep coming up and presenting themselves? And I think once you can identify those things, then you can start working on mitigating how fluid you can navigate a day based on starting to work on the things that are are blaring obstacles that you need to overcome. And so whenever we're looking at someone who's afraid to start moving, it's like, you know, why? You know, where's the fear come from? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of of not looking cool in the gym? Are you afraid of getting laughed at? Are you afraid that that you'll have change and a new life will come? You know, are you are are you stuck in this space where you're just so used to being stagnant? Yeah. You know, and some people get addicted to the pain, if you will. What do you think of kind of like rehab as kind of like supplemental isolated exercises doing like rotator cuff band work or doing like very specific you know site specific exercises compared to going through something that's that's more of like a dynamic like animal flow type mm-hmm. movement i think i think everything has its place and for me depending upon the person who i'm working with or the person that I, uh that i'm training some of those very specific things like rehab or mobilizations or whatever they are, they can be necessary for that body's experience, but there always has to be an integration or a reintegration process. So I think, you know, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I think when someone has this one tool and they're maybe they're corrective exercise only, and that's all they can see. And they go, oh, well, this person can't do a dynamic movement until we fix that hip, fix that knee. And that can become problematic unless the the end goal and the intent is to eventually get them to the point to where they can move freely in all ways. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I think that that's a very common trend. It's been the case for, I don't know, maybe me in some stages of my life, but you become like a gym athlete. Like that's your sport is, is being at the gym, which is great as long as that's, that's your intention, that's what you're into. But I, I think coming back to those developmental patterns using that, that language or that, that lens, looking at like being able to walk effectively is a big deal. Being able to, to run, being able to maybe throw something every now and again, being able to jump, being able to, I don't know, dribble a basketball, like all of these core, like highly complex coordinated movements where the whole symphony has to come online. Pretty like, I, I feel like we could, we would live a good life if we just kind of steeped ourselves in that, that space. Like that was, that was the intention is to integrate the system into these archetypal movements that, you know, we'd express in our daily lives. But we've kind of, as a culture, I think drifted away from those. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. It's super interesting. And it's <laughs> like, how did that happen? <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, uh, you know, convenience, technology. I mean, there are so many things, right? But you know, the the thing that that really really resonated with me was the idea of to train to last. So, am I training today for how I want to look uh, with my shirt off on Instagram tomorrow, or am I training in a way that will hopefully allow me the the freedom to enjoy my body longer? You know, because let's say when we turn 70, 80, 90 years old, we may no longer be into Olympic lifting or HIIT training or whatever, but we're still going to be in our body. And the way in which we treated our body throughout those years will dictate how we experience it later. I think that's such an important message for people to really wrap their head around because, you know, we're in such a, our society is at such a phase right now where everything is immediate gratification. You know, everything is like, I do this because I want this other thing right fucking now. Yeah. You know, versus I'm, I'm playing the long game. You know, I want to enjoy this thing forever because that's all we got. It's all we got. Every other possession that we have comes and goes, but the only thing that we will definitely have for 100% of our life is our body. Yeah. We need to do this again. I have a god dang flight tonight. And we, so for people listening, we recorded a bunch of, went through a really rad movement flow for the YouTube. What are we doing that? Can you describe what we did in that? Yeah, we did a, a beast activation, a beast and crab activation, yeah. which we, we look as just a primer for the body. Yeah. Uh, and then we also did a crab reach and a scorpion reach, which are full body mobilizing movements. Yeah. Why do those movements matter? So when we're looking at variety, variability, you know, we talked earlier about how when people experience these same movement patterns over and over again, everything adapts to it. So connective tissue, joints, nervous system, you know, everything adapts diaphragm, the way we breathe, the way we experience life. So the more variety variability, especially when we're looking at load variability, the more that we can get different sensations into our tissues and joints and receptors, um, the more that adaptation process can give us a better 3D map of our body and of our body in the brain. So some of those movements that I brought you through, you know, we're, we're experiencing ranges that are under load. And when I say load, it's gravity in our body weight. It's that load that we're expressing those or experiencing those, those loads at very unique angles within the joints that you typically wouldn't experience in loaded training or, you know, doing traditional gym exercises. So just getting into those different areas, different ranges and exploring them and shedding some light on some of those shadow areas that you were talking about earlier, incredibly important. But also in the activations, we're inviting people back into their body consciously, which is a huge thing. 
So, you know, we have so many things competing for our attention on a day-to-day basis. So to actually get someone to where they can't think about anything else but what they're doing physically, that's a big shift, you know? And it takes a lot to do that because someone can still deadlift and think about, you know, their relationship. Someone can run on a treadmill and think about everything else that's going on in the world. But when you have them focus, laser focus on something that their body is trying to maneuver or this movement puzzle they're trying to figure out, then nothing else matters. They're 100% aware, they're there. So we're inviting them consciously into their body and then we're also just uh, encouraging the body to speak to itself. So again, I mentioned those little receptors, I, I like to call them satellites. And those little satellites that we have all through our body stimulate with load. And so by having hands and feet in contact with the ground and moving around, we're experiencing a wide variety of load. Yeah, yeah, so I'd highly, highly recommend people jump over and check out that video. It'll be called, I don't know, something Animal Flow, yep. Fitch, a line podcast, whatever. And that'll be released on the day that this is released. And then I couldn't recommend checking out your Animal Flow stuff as a whole more. I think it's a really important aspect of the whole movement conversation. Where's the best place for people to go to learn more? Animalflow.com. Right. Yep. Website. And then just Animal Flow Official on IG. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. And then we will also be doing, we'll release a Instagram video going through three locomotion patterns. The ABCs. Really, the ABCs. So check that out. I think that this, it would be a disservice for this conversation to just be audio. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to encapsulate the movement into it as well. So the IG has the ABCs. YouTube has the the fundamental kind of, yep. I don't know what you'd call it. What would you, what would you call that if we had to put a name on that? Uh, we could just call it a, a warm up, a great prime. We could call it a primer. Primer. That's right. <laughs> Animal flow primer. All right. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate getting to make this happen with you. And we definitely got to do it again. And thank you all for tuning in. That's it. Thank That's you. all. Over now. Pow. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Once again, I want to thank you for leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this. I want to thank particularly NYC2CT for leaving his review, his or her review. If you leave a review, there's a good chance I'll read it on here and I just genuinely appreciate it. Also jump over and check out the YouTube video that I did with Mike where we break down some specific animal flow movements, essentially like a tutorial on all the the, the basics of what you need to get started with animal flow. Uh, We also have an Instagram reel that's out on both of our Instagram pages. So check that out. YouTube at Align Podcast, Instagram at Align Podcast. If you want to share this, you can take myself or Mike Fitch. You can find him at Animal Flow and myself at Align Podcast. Thank you all so much. Appreciate you. I'll see you next week.